0: Come on, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Come on. Want you to nudge the person next to you tonight? Look them right in the eyes and say, "You've got onion breath." Come on, how many walked in tonight and was like, whoa, onions. Holy cow. Come on. You can be seated tonight. Come on, I'm excited to uh, share a a message with you tonight. I hope that is okay with you. We are going to get into the Word, and I just will have a download I'm going to give you tonight. And I love team nights because they're really important to me. I just told the, the team who met early to set up that team nights are probably my top two most important things at the church. That and I pursue nights. Uh, Our Sunday gatherings are highly important, obviously, but the nights where I feel like where we experience the most momentum as a church is on our Wednesday night prayer. And I just got to do a little plug for this last Wednesday night. I'm not kidding you. I'm sincerely saying this out of the the sincerity of my heart. I'm not being... um, um, I'm hyping or being exa- exaggerating the story, which I, I can tend to do. <laughs> uh, Wednesday night, I experienced the presence of God in a way I have not experienced God's presence in a very long time. Yeah. Like the moment James played that first note, it was like, whoosh. And so I want to encourage you, if, uh, as, a, you know, as our team, hey, we do it four times a month or every Wednesday. Even if you say, I'm just going to go once a month. I'm just going to be there once a month. And you know, we prophesy over one another. We pray for one another. We pray for the church. It's about 35 minutes of just in pr- worship and fantastic. Well, tonight we have a. Uh, I, I want to walk you. We're gonna. It's gonna be almost like a, a Bible Bible study tonight. We're gonna be in like a Bible class, as though you were going through Bible college and you're here learning about uh, some different things. God has been speaking something to my heart uh, for some time now, and um, what he's been what he's been speaking to my heart. This is something that I am very passionate about, what I'm going to share with you tonight, that I felt the Lord's, I've been fasting, really revealed to me that this was an important thing I needed to share uh, as a church. Being a young church, uh, being a church who doesn't have, we don't come from a, an existing local church in the envir- in the city so we really, what we have to do is kind of declare these building blocks as we build our church and really begin to declare, like, this is kind of what we believe and this is who we are and this is the doctrine that we stand on. And so we're going to talk, of, I don't want to scare you with this word, we're going to actually talk a, li- about, a little bit about a doctrine tonight. It's actually uh, a doctrine. And what we're going to do is we're going to talk about rethinking uh, rethinking the church. And uh, I've just spent in a lot of consideration and prayer thinking about the importance of the doctrine of the church And helping you understand something about what you do every Sunday, every Wednesday, on the teams you're on, uh, whether it be a group or whether it be on Sunday or whether it be uh, doing an international missions in the future or going on an outreach thing. We've got a lot of cool stuff. We're going to partner with our with the farmers market. We just Lord's been speaking to us about how we just need to reach our Jerusalem and our Jerusalem is that parking lot and that uh, farmer's market, and so we're going to, every time they have an event at the farmer's market, we're going to be partnering over there in a booth, and just give away free stuff, and love on them, if they'll let us, and then we're going to do marketing out to this whole community, and we're going to start handing out stuff to them, and I just feel like the Lord says, Ryan, you can't expect anybody to come in the doors if you don't even get their attention right in your Jerusalem. And so outside of that, also through our groups and all the different things that we're doing, I just felt like the Lord really wanted me to share a deeper thought with you, because that's what we do at Team Nights is I go deeper into the Word. We study the Word together. And it, the, the purpose of this is that you'll walk away today having a very, very clear, clear understanding of what the Bible teaches about the doctrine of the church and how, why we do what we do. Why do we show up every Sunday? Why do we gather together? Why do we have elders and deacons? Why do we uh, encourage the tithe? Why, why, why? All these different things that we do that some of you have just done for years and we don't even know why. And so I felt like I wanted to um, do some Bible teaching to help walk you through the understanding of this so that you can uh, have a firm foundation for why we do what we do as a team. And so, so this is kind of, I'll just get started here, and you know, I'm just going to start downloaded to you, and I choose to do this on this night because that's kind of why we're here to go deeper and worship more, and, and we're going to have a team breakout tonight as well, break out into our teams and stuff, so it'll be cool. But look at this. Your definition of the church is important because whatever your definition, it will determine where you put your time and effort. So your definition of what the local church is will determine where you are willing to invest your time and your effort. And so a lot of times, frustration comes just in general with the local church because often we don't know why we're investing this. Why are we giving our time and our effort and our money and our lives to this thing? Why are we doing this? So the understanding of the why helps you define, okay, now I understand I have a definition, a biblical understanding of the why. Now I can give myself fully without, without uh, inhibition, without concern, knowing that this is what God has asked us to do. And so I'm gonna get right in to it here. I want to talk about what the church is not. The church is not a building for Christian worship. The the Bible never talks about the the church being a building or a material thing. The local church is not a denomination or a sect. Uh, It's never been denominational or a sect in any uh, way, shape, or form. Uh, And thirdly, the, the church is not a Christian worship or worship service. So if someone in the city gathers a bunch of people together and worships together, that is not the local church. That is not the local church. That is just a gathering of Christians worshiping. Worship services and a place where people worship is not uh, the local church. And so the word church is used 114 times in the New Testament. The the Greek word is ecclesia, and of the 114 times the word is used, uh, 110 times the word ecclesia is used, which means called out ones. The the usage of this word it started with Jesus in Matthew 16, 18. It said, I'll tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So when Jesus used this word church, he was not referring to so he didn't make it up right at that moment. It was something that actually already existed in Greek culture. This word church actually referred to the idea of the assembly. It was this ecclesia. It was where people gathered together who were uh, free people, gathered together in, in, a, in a local environment to make decisions about the community. It was something that was already in their makeup, their understanding. So when Jesus talked about this idea of the ecclesia, 110 times in the New Testament, this word was defined as a group of people gathering together uh, to decide on specific matters or to gather around a specific for a specific reason. And we see this echoed again in 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of his darkness into the marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God. Now, if you guys have heard me preach now for almost three years, so you'll know that we'll start with a lot of foundation and we're going to get down into the heart stuff towards the end so don't worry just stick with me i hear word doctor goes so don't worry it'll be okay it will be all right so jesus used this in two different ways the first way he used this word was he used this word uh, as a definition for all believers all ages in christ is often called the invisible the mystical or the universal church and so the, the, this word universal church Is when Jesus said Upon this rock I will build my church He was actually in that verse Not talking about The local congregation of believers He was talking about The universal church It's the church that makes up The family of God It's the people in Pakistan And Iran And England And uh, New York And all the different Christians Across the world Make up this universal church But I want you to know That out of the 114 times That the word church is used In the New Testament there, It's only referred to as the universal church 14 times. And so, through all the teaching of the church, Jesus referenced the idea of this uh, universal church where all Christians would, all Christians across the world are gathered together, and all of them, their responsibility as a Christian is to have relationship with God. It was about the universal church is about me individually having relationship with God with several other people. And so, it was used about 14 times out of uh, the entire New Testament. The second way Jesus taught uh, the church was the local church, which means a local congregation of believers. Of the 114 times, the word church is used. It's used 95 times out of the 114 to define ecclesia, meaning a local gathering of people in a central location. And so whenever Jesus talked about this, often he was referring to a group of people who were localized, that would gather together, that were distinct from other groups of people across the world. So look at this quote here by Mark Denver. The I'm concerned that many Christians don't realize how this important relationship with God, the universal church, necessitates a number of secondary personal relationships. The relationships that Christ establishes between us and his body, the church, God doesn't mean for these to be relationships that we pick and choose at our whim among the many Christians out there. He means to establish us in a relationship with an actual flesh and blood, step on your toes, body of people. And so he intends you to be in a place where you get your toes stepped on. He wants you to be in a local church where you are rubbing shoulders with people that actually make you feel very uncomfortable. That's the idea and the definition of what this is. So, I mean, all throughout the Bible, Acts 8.1, the church which... which which was at Jerusalem, 1 Corinthians 16:1, the churches of Galatia, 1 Corinthians 16, 19, the churches of Asia, the seven churches of Asia that were talked about in the first three chapters of Revelation, Ephesus and Smyrna and Pergamos and Thyatira and Sardis and Philadelphia and Laodicea were all specific individual churches. And if you read Revelations 1 to 3, you'll see that each of those churches did things really well, individually, specific. they were unique Bodies that represented different environments that each had a different call on their church. And so we see these are all throughout the scripture. Now, the word that Jesus uses when he uses the word ecclesia for the local body of believers, Jesus actually starts this conversation in the most unique of scriptures. He starts it in Matthew chapter 18. Now, if you've read the Bible a lot, you know exactly what chapter that is. If you haven't, it's okay. We're gonna read it to you. Look where Jesus one of his first identifications in the Gospels of when Jesus brought up this localized Christian of believers, it is in this context in Matthew chapter 18. It says, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If The other person listens and confesses it, you've won that person back, but if you are an unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again. So that everything you may say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses, and if the person still refuses to listen, take your your excuse me, that was the onions. Take your case to the church, and then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a tax collector. And it says, I tell you the truth, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. I also tell you this, that two of you agree on earth concerning anything you ask. My Father in heaven will do it for you, for where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among you. And so Jesus identifies something for the local church. Now, remember, I felt strongly the Lord wanted me to share this with you because what I'm doing is I'm laying a foundation for you to understand why we exist as a church. We don't just do this because it's a good idea. We don't just do this because because it's, I had nothing else to do and we started this church, or we don't just do this because you'd rather be, you know, obviously somewhere else on a Saturday night and, you know, giving up your Wednesdays and groups, and man, we do a lot, man. We're doing a lot, Ryan. And I say, okay, well, let me tell you why we do what we do. So Jesus here uses this, and this is what he begins to identify about the local church. He says this, the local church is, a made, up, is made up of a family, so it's brothers and sisters. So you're sitting next to your brother and sister in Christ right now. And so we're a family. Local church is not perfect. There are relational challenges and dis- disagreements, and they must be worked through. In order for us to be the church that God has called us to be, we must be willing to go through conflict, re- conflict resolution together that if there is an offense or there is a disagreement or there's a misunderstanding or there's an issue in your life, for you to not deal with it means that you are not playing your role in the local church. We are called to experience this challenge of conflict revolution. In our church, there needs to be a great need for love and patience until Christ comes back and make, makes us perfect. And look at Peter asked, uh, said this question to Jesus just after this verse in Matthew 18. And Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, he replied, but 490 times. So Peter said, listen, if you're going to be a part of the local church, you got just expect you're going to do a lot of forgiving. And that's why people jump from church to church to church to church to church to church because they because they get hurt. And that's why people don't want to be in the church. And that's why people don't want to engage a church. And that's why people want to throw a church out with baby they want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. The church is bad. Well, no, actually, the church isn't bad. People just suck. And we have to understand that in a relationship, we are committed to conflict resolution. So I'm just going to say, if you got an issue in this room with someone in this room, work it out for goodness sake. Be a mature adult. Be a mature Christian. Sorry, but just work it out. I know it hurts. I know they stepped on your toes. I know they said something wrong. I know they mistreated you. But guess what? Jesus died on the cross for that very reason. He took that pain on the cross so we don't have to carry it. So stop trying to carry the sacrifice of Jesus on your shoulders when he already took it for you. So come on, we need to be a church who works through this stuff together. Look at this, local church is a place of discipline. A place where sin is confronted and disciplined. Look at this, sanctification is a community project. That if I'm a professed follower of God and there's someone else in that, in that room that's a follower of Jesus Christ and, and they, they are like, man, dealing with some sin in their life, I know that they're going to confront me on that sin. You know what? You're living a certain life that does not adhere to the word of God and I love you and I'm not going to give you, I'm not gonna give you uh, tough love. I'm going to love you toughly. And I'm gonna come from a position of love, but I just gotta say, hey, that in your life, I wanna, as your brother and sister in Christ, I gotta know the Bible says, let's work this out together, let's process this out together, because in the church, there is discipline for sin. Everyone listen to me. If you're dealing with sin, confess it, repent for of it, or else God will find you out through a brother and sister in Christ in this room. And if the Holy Spirit will speak to someone in this room, that person's dealing with this sin and your responsibility is to go to them and say, hey, I, I love you. Can I just talk to you about this thing? Lord? Oh my gosh. You're, you're we we don't do this in the local church in Canada or in North America. Talk about one another's sin because we think that we're the only ones who are sinning. But the reality is we sat around a circle. Hi, I'm Ryan and I'm a sinner. We sat around and did a little AA meeting. We'd find out that we're all dealing with a lot of junk in our life and the moment you begin to confront that junk is the moment you begin to experience the freedom that God wants for you but it takes a little bit of pain and so the church is an environment of discipline that's something that we want to adhere to because guess what the more we are pure and holy individuals the more Jesus is going to minister amongst our church The more we are righteous and holy before the Lord and work towards a life that honors God, the more we will experience people experiencing salvation and life change and marriage transformation, and God will rest in this place like never before if you and I commit to saying, you know what? We are not going to allow sin in our life to keep us from experiencing everything God wants for us. The local church is a body of believers. Christians are connected, joined, and a part of a body of people. You either are a part of a local church or you're not a part of a local church. You're either in the local church or you're not. When you become a Christian, actually, as as all my hours of study I've done on this, I've been studying this topic for about 12 years now. I've read hundreds of books. I've spent hours studying the doctrine of the local church because I believe there's something significant about it. And I've realized that as a follower of Jesus, when you become a Christian, your next step as a follower of God is you are immediately placed in the body of believers. You became a member of that body. Many Christians get into that body and they don't like the discipline or they don't like the broken relationship or they don't like this or some pastor screwed up and had a moral failure or did finances wrong or something went wrong and it just changed your whole perspective on the local church. And they say, I don't want to be involved in that anymore. Well, listen, I'm going to say it boldly. Christians who are not a member of a local church are not living the biblical life that is laid out in scripture. It is actually a biblical mandate for every follower of Jesus Christ to be a part of a member of a local church so that they can contribute their gifting. So you're either a part of a local church or you're not a part of a local church. The local church is the channel for God's authority. The authority of God is vested into the local church. His authority is on, is in, and is for the localized body of believers in a specific location. That is a really cool thought. That God, in a, in a localized context, in a localized body of believers, there is an authority from God to push back the gates of hell. Right. So when we, this church, one of the, one of the, the, the hovering things over this church that Bassey and I and several other people have been praying for is fear. And so as the authority of God, we as a body of believers who are working towards being all that God's called us to be have God's authority to push back fear over people's lives. The gates of hell will not prevail. So we have a specific authority in this context that when you're a part of the church, when you're a part of the local church, you get to claim authority that God has given you because you are a member of the house of God. How about this? The local church is to be a place of fellowship and faith and regular corporate prayer. There is a corporate expectation for God to act. This is an expectation for everyone who's a part of the body, corporately praying together. That's why I strongly encourage you, if you want to experience what it feels like to be part of the local church that happened in the New Testament church, come to a pursue night on a regular basis. Because the church prayed together corporately. The church didn't just pray together individually in their car on the way to work. The church prayed together corporately. And when you corporately gather together on Sundays and pursue nights and groups and in this setting here in our team night, and we begin to pray together, God begins to do something because there is authority on the local church to break down strongholds in the lives of people. So I encourage you, make that a habit in your life. The last local church is the place that God promises to dwell. This is super cool. There is a manifestation of God's presence that is unique to the gathering of God's people together. So there is actually a presence of God that is not found by yourself. There is a unique manifestation of the presence of God and it is seen all throughout the Old and the New Testament. The Old Testament was the temple and they gathered in the Holy of Holies and the Davidic temple and Solomon's temple uh, and Mosaic temple and then the the temple was destroyed and then they gathered together and they began to pray and in that unique environment there was something significant in that specific location in churches all tenants checklist whoop they didn't do it whoop they didn't do it I don't care if you come to church or not for a tenant's sake I care you come to church because I want you to experience the unique manifestation of God's presence I want you to experience what only happens when people gather together under the local church when they gather in a room exalting the name of God. His presence comes down and transforms your life forever. That's why I say, hey, come on to church on Sunday because people are gathering together expecting God to move in our midst. There's a unique manifestation of God's presence. The local church is a gathering identified with the name of Christ. So why the local church? Why? Why? Why do we get here James 7:30 in the morning? Shows up on pursue nights, every pursue night. Shows up on team night. Guy works a full-time job. Why does he do that? Well, <laughs> that's a good answer James. It's not one of my points, but that's awesome. Why do we do this? Why do we why do we do all this? Why? Because your definition of why, well, well, okay, I can invest my time and effort into that. The first reason of why is that the local church is God's idea, and the pattern of how to build can and must come from God. So, why? Because when God talked about, when God taught us how to be people of God in the New Testament, he trained us how by talking about the ecclesia 95 times in the context of a localized believers and taught us how there's a pattern from God. We look all throughout creation from Eden to the Mosaic temple to the Davidic temple. We look to all Noah's ark detailed orderly fashion. God would give just specific instruction on how they are to build their, the place for God to dwell. It has not changed since the temple came down. He then instituted the local church and he has a plan in which we should continue to build. This plan involves deacons. This plan involves elders. This plan involves prophets and apostles and evangelists and teachers and pastors. This plan involves the the power of the Holy Spirit by evidence of speaking in tongues, by miracles in your body, by walking on the street and experiencing transformation in the lives of people. This plan talks about helping orphans and widows. This plan is the way in which God will fulfill his purposes on this planet. This plan is from God. It comes from God and it's the way I believe that God has showed us how to build Love City Church. He shows us in Acts chapter 2. You've read this a thousand times. Verse 41. Those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, and about 3,000 in all, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing and meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything. Now, how many did all the believers met together in one place? They worshipped together at the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. See, Ryan, it's right there. we Gather together regularly, all of us in one spot. We go house to house. We do communion. We pray for one another. We share all things in common. We do that through Sunday gatherings, through our groups, through our teams and team nights, through our next steps, through our outreach, through everything that we do. We are trying to express this New Testament pattern. Now, have we chosen a specific method? Yeah, we have, because we feel that's the most uh, conducive, succinct, uh, uh, simple plan that we can institute to experience everything God wants us to experience. Is it the best plan? No. Is it a perfect plan? No. Have we got it all figured out? Oh, Lord, no. There's so many holes and gaps in your everything. You guys, we want to communicate better with you and help you more and do more, but have we have it all figured out? Absolutely not, Lord goodness, you know that. But are we working towards building a New Testament pattern that is God's plan for this church? Yes. And we've chosen to have Sunday gatherings that are about equipping uh, disciples and reaching the lost, and to have groups that's about discipleship and to have teams that are about fulfilling your purpose and making a difference and figuring out what it is God's called you to do and next steps going through your spiritual assessment and what has God called me to do and reaching out to all the things that God has called us to do for our future comes through this method that we've chosen that we feel really l- runs in line with what Acts chapter 2 says. Look what Rick Warren says. Healthy, lasting church growth is multidimensional. My definition of a genuine church growth has five facets. Every church needs to grow warmer through fellowship, deeper through discipleship, stronger through worship, broader through ministry, and larger through evangelism. In Acts 2, 42 to 47, these five facets of growth are, d- are described in the first church in Jerusalem. Christians fellowship Edified each other, worshiped, ministered, and evangelized. As a result, verse 47 says, First, God added the growth, His part, when the church did its part by fulfilling the five purposes. Second, the growth was daily, which means at a minimum this healthy church had 365 converts a year. What if this was the evangelistic standard of every church had to meet in order to call itself a healthy New Testament church? How many churches do you think would qualify? Hence, our vision for 2019, 365. I think there was a genius idea that I came up with. No, I read this book and thought, oh, that's smart. There's 365 days in the year, and Jesus added their, added their number every day. Well, that's a good vision. You think that I did that because I just want a big church? No, I did that because I want you to share your go- the gospel. I didn't do this because I want to have a mega church, or I want to double my next church. I did this because it's a way for you to be encouraged to go share your faith. And tomorrow, we're going to talk about the story of the Jesus with the, the woman, uh, the Samaritan woman. And I'm going to walk through, basically walk through how Jesus shared his faith with this woman. And we're going to end on a really encouraging idea about how you have it in your power to reach just one person. And one person reached a whole city. That's right. So you don't need to reach 365. You just need to reach one. And you start thinking about that in your life. Okay, why the local church? Second thought. This is the most important one, and then we'll get to our last part and I'll transition here. Why the local church? The local church is the means by which the eternal purposes of God will be fulfilled and become reality in the world today. It is proven all throughout Scripture. We read it all throughout the book of Acts and all throughout every Pauline epistle and, uh, and Petron epistle and the, the Titus and and and, and Jude, Jude, we see all of these uh, 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 letters were written, and the gospels were written to identify that the eternal purposes of God that were intended to happen right now, 2019, and January 26 in the city of Calgary, God has a specific eternal plan for this. City and he's chosen individual localized churches to have a specific purpose to fulfill that call. That means experience church and connect church and multiply church and uh, and uh, first alliance and first assembly and all these amazing churches across the city. Did you know that they each have a specific call and purpose on their life as a church? Did you know that we have a un- we not we have a unique call of God on our lives at Love City Church? So when you come here, you're not just taking on the the eternal purposes of God for that other church that maybe you were a part of before. We have a new focus, a new direction. It's not better. It's not more well thought out. It's not more genius. It's just another another word in the sentence in God's eternal purposes for Calgary, which means you could probably go to any church in this city and experience the eternal purposes of God, but guess what? God placed you here. You think that was an accident? You think you had anything to do in that decision? You did not, so shut up. God brought you here. He brought you here for a reason because the eternal purposes of God for this church in this city, the specific call on Love City Church, no one else can accomplish in this city. And you get to be a part of that ever-flourishing call of God, ever-flourishing eternal purposes of God in this city, you get to be a part of seeing the society transformed and people's lives change along with Experience Church and along with Connect Church and along with Multiply Church and along with all my friends at Advanced Church and these guys I meet with on a regular basis and we pray together and believe that God has a plan for the city and I just get to be a word in the sentence. We get to be a word in this sentence. Give you five things from this verse, and then we're going to stop. Five things that it takes to accomplish this eternal purpose as a team. How do we as a team accomplish this eternal purpose of God for our church? The first thing is this: the right heart, servant leadership. It says here in Ephesians 4:1 to 3. Therefore, I, a prisoner serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you've been called by God. Always be humble. Always be gentle. Be patient with each other. Make allowance for each other's faults because of your love, for goodness sakes. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Matthew 20 says this, 25, but Jesus called the disciples together and said, you know that the, church, the rulers in this world lord it over their people and the officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader at Love City Church must be, a, be your servant. And whoever wants to be first at Love City Church must become your slave. The right heart. Second thing is the right motivation, unity. It says here in Ephesians 4, 6 for there is one body, one spirit, and called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father, who is over all and in all and living through all. One body, unity is the key to the presence of the Lord in the church. That's why I want to really warn you. If you have, uh, have. This desire to either grumble or complain or gossip or hold offense or be angry. I love you, but please, please get through it because it could hinder the very presence of God in our midst. The presence of God runs toe-to-toe with unity. And when we are unified, God moves. We have to have unity together because I want the presence of the Lord to be, when the moment somebody walks in that room, it's like, whoa. second thing that unity does is unity is the key to the power in the church. Unity is the key to the witness and testimony in the church. Look at this in John 13. By this, people will know that you are my disciples if you've loved one another. Unity is the key to fulfilling the destiny in the church. Look at this, John 17. And the whole glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one, just as we are one. I and them, you and me, and they may be made perfect in one, and that the whole world may know that you have sent me. So, the mission everyone's going to know that Jesus has come down to earth and in, uh, 100% God, 100% human, uh, died on a cross, rose in the field. Th- they will know that because of our unity. Second thought here, or third thought, I'm sorry, how do we as a team accomplish this is that we have the right team, everyone playing their part. Now I got a thousand verses here that I'm not gonna read, but I'm gonna quickly put the references on the screen so you can just take a mental note of what to read later. But look at this, Ephesians 4, 11, and 16. However, he has given each of us, each of who, each of us, each of me, each of you, each of all of us. <laughs> I could have kept going there, it was like a rap. <laughs> He's given each of you a special gift through the generosity of Christ. As each part, look at this, as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. I'll show you this in 1 Corinthians 3 9 and 10. Take a mental snapshot. Romans 12, read this. One body, many members we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us, let us use them. First Corinthians 12 continues, for the body does not consist of members, but of many, one member, but many. Uh, continue First Corinthians, he was a long one, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. First Corinthians 12 continues, man, it's a long one, holy cow. Skip that too. So lastly here, second to last, right culture. Language, expectations, and vision. Look at this. We'll be mature in the Lord. We we'll no longer be immature children tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. Not be influenced when people try to kick us with, trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. The right culture. Culture of unity. Culture of maturity. is Which I think is really important. The right objective, the why, healthy, growing, loving church. Listen, look at this. When we work to build the church, when we do everything we can to make the church succeed, when we invest our time and talents and material things into the church, we are investing them into the eternal purposes of God. If we lead, it it will lead us to having meaning and significance it will lead us to making a difference in the world by expanding the purposes of God in the earth. Look at what Warren said. I believe the key issue for the churches in the 21st century will be church health, not church growth. And when the congregations are healthy, they grow the way God intends. Healthy churches don't need gimmicks to grow. They just naturally grow. So you say, Ryan, what is our vision? What, what is our vision? Well, there's twofold. We want to we we focus on edification, discipleship, and multiplication, evangelism. This is our vision as a church. You say, what's our vision? Well, we want to we see lost people saved. We want to see saved people to be pastored and discipled. And we want saved people to be pastored and discipled. We want pastored people to be developed and matured. And we want developed people to be sent to live on mission. And then guess what? Once you're sent and live on mission, we want lost people to be saved. We want saved people to be pastored. We want pastor people to be developed. And we want developed people to be sent. And then we want the sent people to cause lost people to be saved and saved people to be pastored and pastored people to be developed and developed people to be sent. And then we want, that's how it works. So we're a church that's not just focused on multiplication or just on edification, but we're also focused on multiplication. We believe the Lord's calling us to reach 365 people. And see them become followers of Jesus and a part of a healthy, growing, loving local church. We do this through our Sunday gatherings, our groups, our teams, next steps, kids ministry, youth ministry, worship, Bible teaching, farmers market, outreach, pursue nights, team nights. We need you. This is a great opportunity to see God's eternal purpose fulfilled through the local church. So be released and start your ministry today. I encourage you to pray this last verse and we're done. Look at the, look at the, look at the yellow. For Jesus' yoke is easy, and Jesus' burden is light. The moment you start feeling as though you're getting frustrated, disgruntled, upset, is the moment you've stopped taking Jesus' burden and started carrying yours. Do you know that the local church is the most important thing in your life? That our businesses should actually go through the grid of the local church. That our children and our parenting should actually all function through the grid of the local church. Meaning that now when I become a Christian, I am now in a ministry and have a message of reconciling people back to God. And if as a Christian, I'm supposed to be the local church now, that means a part of the local church, my whole life funnels through the local church. That's what the Bible teaches. That's what it teaches in our lives. So I want to encourage you to ask yourself this question. Have you considered that what you've committed to in your life, is it you or is it God? Is it a good idea or is it a God idea? If it's a God idea, you'll have joy. Amen. Come on, would you stand? We're going to pray. And then we're going to break out into our groups for a few moments here. Come on, would you place your hands on your heart tonight? Lord, my prayer tonight, Father, is that every single person in this room tonight would hear, Father, my heart. And then, Lord, that this is such a privilege. We need these people in this room to really understand God, all that You want to do through their lives. I pray even right now, Father, for the dreams that they've had, the things that You put on their heart for ministry. Lord, the ministry ideas, the plans, the things You've dropped in their heart. You stirred. I pray that they would come to life again, O oh God. They'd be renewed again, God. They wouldn't put those things on the wayside, but they'd say, no, I want to build a local church, and I want to see the eternal purposes of God come through my life. I pray, God, for every dream and every desire that they've established in their heart tonight, God. and Father, that you put there, you've dropped in their mind and heart. I pray that, Father, you would begin to blow on it again. You'd fan it into flame right now. Lord, the the, the gift and the dreams and the prophetic words, we just fan it into flame right now, God. We blow on the embers of that fire and we say, burn again, burn again, burn again, Father, for the things that God is calling you to do. Well, we love you tonight, Father. And we're so thankful for who you are, Jesus. Father, I just want to say it's a great honor to sacrifice our lives in this way. It's a privilege, Father, to be able to serve you in this way that we might reach as many people that you'll allow us to reach for your kingdom. So we say, Lord, thank you for choosing us. Thank you for choosing our lives. Thank you for choosing our marriages and our finances. Lord, to partner with what you're doing in the city of Calgary through Love City Church. Thank you, God, that you've given us this opportunity. And now, Lord, we say, Father, your yoke is easy and your burden is life. And I pray the Lord, you'd fill every person here. You'd strengthen every person here. You'd fill them with joy and fill them with peace and restore the joy of their salvation. Renew in them, Lord, a passion for your word and renew in them a passion for your presence and renew in them a passion for the things that you call them to do, oh God, tonight. Lord, we love you and we thank you for a wonderful evening tonight, Jesus. In your mighty name, amen.